Welcome to Stepside with Joel Johnson and me, Matt Howie. Each week we talk about truck news, truck-related items, our favorite trucks, everything trucks. Trucks, trucks, trucks. Let's go. Hey, Joel. Hey, Matt. Your garage looks amazing. Looks curated. Looks fancy. Looks like you tried. <laughs> I have a pretty organized garage. Uh, it's one of the great joys in life is to know where the things that you're trying to use are at. I even have, I bought new tape for my label maker. So as I move stuff around, I can label the sections. And you know what is even funnier is Crystal tried to give me uh, static this weekend because she always like teases me for how many like nuts and bolts and screws and different weird nails I have that are just unlabeled and in piles. I went through every single fucking one of them today trying to find the right bolt for something and I didn't have it. So like clearly I don't have enough bolts and I don't have enough screws. <laughs> this is not a problem of too many. This is a problem not enough. I thought this was going to end with and then I organized everything and I found it and she was right. <laughs> I am kind of like a vampire. Like if you throw a bunch of like mismatched nuts and bolts in front of me, I will not be able to move anywhere until I stop and pick up each one and organize them and put them right back into their special slot. But it could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> I was watching some YouTube video the other day and I think they were assembling a roof rack and they got like um, little plastic bins that you get like takeout in, like maybe like a little bit of sauce. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like they had 10 or 15 of them with like all the different Allen heads and like bolts and like, like they pre-arranged before they put it all together. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I was I like, do that sometimes. Oh, oh, I've never seen anyone do that. The other, <laughs> I was like, the other trick that uh, I, I really recommend and it seems like it's annoying, but as soon as you start doing it, it is hard to stop is when you're taking apart something like if you're if you're whatever you're repairing if you're taking it apart what i do is i take a piece of cardboard because i just keep a bunch of junk cardboard around and i put a piece of tape on it with the sticky side up and then as i take a bolt or a nut or whatever off i stick it on the on the sticky tape and then i write down if that if i need to i don't always write something down but i i i put it everything i take off i put in order on the tape until I get to the end. And then when it's time to put it back together, I know I just go right back from the opposite order. Oh my God, that's brilliant because I've uh, started projects in the garage and I put things in piles, <laughs> you know, exactly where I remember them. I'm always gonna remember, I'm never gonna forget this. And then you get delayed for like two weeks, like an hour into yeah. it. And then you come back and you go, what goes to what? I, yeah. yeah, I can't do it. I take, you oh take a God. picture at the beginning of a project and that way you can see, you know, what it was supposed to look like. And then you just put all of this stuff out there. Like, this is not stuff I used to do at all. And like, when you have ADHD, like I do, part of that is like related to OCD. But what I have found, like what I, before I started treating my ADHD, I didn't, uh, I didn't do project, like my OCD wasn't healthy. <laughs> but now that my ADHD is treated, like my OCD is actually extremely productive and useful, which is just like, I don't go crazy. I can still leave the house and do things. But when I am organizing my projects in my head, I have a really good sense now of like what you're saying. Okay, this one's halfway done. I'm going to write a note and I don't put it in like a beautiful logbook or anything. I just put a note down on like a piece of cardboard or something. So I'm like, all right, I know where I'm at when I get back. But speaking of roof racks, uh, one of my vehicles got a roof rack this weekend. Can you guess? Which <laughs> not one it not was? the one. Yeah, I saw the photos. I saw some. I saw some preliminary photos on Twitter. Have you posted anything with like the finished? I haven't posted anything because okay. I need a bracket kit uh, to put the rooftop tent on. I was so excited. Now I'm not even <laughs> sure my trip is going to happen. To be honest, I have so much other work going on that, uh, some, including some stuff that blew up today, but. At some point, whether I go to Oregon and back is is an open Rooftop question. Rooftop tent on a Porsche 911, right? It's going to be an adventure. It's going to be an adventure. <laughs> just the gas mileage. You're just going to have a sail on the top. Yeah, I mean, to go from what is actually a really excellent road trip gas mileage car to something that will drop probably from 30 miles to a gallon to down to like, 22 yeah, it's yeah. going to be very interesting <laughs> but also, you'll have a hotel on the top of your car yeah. also for the first time in my life putting roof rack on a vehicle uh i actually checked and 
to see what the OEM top speed recommendation was. Oh, was it uh, like 80, 70? 90 from Porsche, or okay. might be 80. You may be right. But yeah, it was like 85, 90, something like that. Uh, so I'm very <laughs> curious. I mean, I'm obviously going to go over that at some point just to see. Uh, what's the worst? Those things are conservative. Those things yeah. are very conservative. Like, I think I have a bike racks that said, don't ever go over 70. And it's like, I was beelining across Montana once at like 95. More with than 70. Four yeah. bikes behind me. And it's fine. Uh, well, in the process of doing this stupid rooftop town on the 9 11 <laughs> project, uh, over the last few weeks, Porsche has officially like done some social media campaign in Europe where they put rooftop tents on a 9-11 and like brought people on some curated adventure. So now I'm like, I'm good. Everything should be fine. I wasn't too worried about it before, but if Porsche OEM is doing it now with an even heavier uh, rooftop tent than I, than I am using. Uh, Haggerty just put out a video saying that like, you know, everyone's trying to make those safari rally kind of Porsches now, but those are very expensive, right? To lift them a little and put not uh, chunky tires on them and the four lights on the hood and shit. So there's, they're telling their readers to, um, Jump into Craigslist and buy old Baja Bug. <laughs> you'll have yes. just as much fun. Uh, I did. I, yeah, I, I agree 100%. A Baja Bug is the way to go. And like, I, 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 I mean, the safaris are cool. I'm, uh, Porsche is almost certainly going to come out with what will probably be called the uh, Dakar or Dakar, however you choose to say it, which will be a 911 that is like safaried from the factory. They've uh, never done that before, right? They've never done a factory yeah. safari. They, they built safaris for for Dakar, but right. like they've never had a, an OEM, like a, a homologated version. Oh my God, what uh, a weird product fit. It'll be super we... weird, but you know, very cool. But nevertheless, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. And if I end up writing about this somewhere, uh, you know, this will be kind of the point that I'm going to make, which is everything about a lifted vehicle, whether that's a safari or a truck sucks when you're not on the road and any off-road vehicle spends 95% of its time on the pavement, except for a few exceptions. So my, my theory is if you deal with the off-road part being garbage, which in my case on a 911, the off-road will be like maybe a gravel road, uh, then uh, you're getting the beauty of the overlanding experience in every other way. <laughs> in a super drivable package. Yeah, this is gonna be <laughs> awful. I already can tell it's gonna make me like, nuts uh make, <laughs> having all the road noise and wind noise and oh, yeah God. worrying about things does it got to hang over like six inches on every side because it's the roof it is clears so the the lateral so i have a go fast camper super light is uh they had sent me one of those uh which technically are not being made uh at the moment but they had some overstock from the old batches so i have one that's been sitting in a warehouse for two oh. years or whatever oh those um, are cool but um, I've always wanted to play with one just because I really do like the idea of like, what's the most minimal rooftop, uh, tent that you can, can yeah. do. And all I've done is taken it out of the box, opened it up, poked around. I thought initially I was going to have to, uh, re like move the mounting bolts cause there's just two rails. And so it wouldn't be that hard, uh, to do the, to move the rails and I could just drill holes through the bottom, but I didn't know if that was going to cause structural problems, whatever. Uh, and then I reached out to them and they were like, you know, we sell a kit that actually just moves the mounts in like on the, on the, uh, mount side, not the rails. So uh, that fixes my problem, but no, it's, it's, it's fine on the, on the width of the car, but laterally it's. Uh, three quarters, two thirds of the width of the length of the car. It looks very stupid. <laughs> like there's nothing about it that looks cool. No, it, it just looks unfinished. Right. But whoa, the lightest tent possible is 80 pounds. I was reading an article. I was looking it up, and they go for 10 paragraphs before they put the data. So I'm like, what is this going to be like? 30? How far? How much can you get it down? 80. Yeah, wow. 80s about, I mean, the the way that the GoFast Camper, and I believe they use this material on their uh, truck topper versions as well, but they, they basically use some sort of plastic poly uh, waffle, which like a lot of people use as structural pieces, either part of, you know, part of a camper or whatever. The difference on the super light is that there's no metal, except for the two rails that run underneath it. It's like, it's basically just two sheets of that poly with uh, a really nicely like uh, sewn like uh, gusseting system in the tent that goes around it. So I don't think 
What's Unless normal... you were using like carbon fiber or something, yeah. I don't think you could really get much lighter than. What's a normal weight like one twenty ish? Yeah, rooftop tents. It depends on what they're made of. Like on the cheap side, uh, a lot of times the flip out pieces uh, sometimes are just like marine plywood and are mm. very heavy. Uh, but you can't discount the weight of fabric as well. Like, yeah. uh, you know, and if you use metal versus carbon poles, like there's a bunch of different ways it goes. But yeah, you, a rooftop tent is anywhere from, you know, realistically, if you're in the 200-ish pounds range, you're probably like doing doing okay. But it also depends. Wow. Is it fiberglass shell? Is right. it a carbon fiber shell? Like there's, there's a million flavors of them. But huh. uh, yeah, we'll give it a shot. But I, you know, the, the, big problem from a rooftop tent besides just moving it around in your garage or you know getting it on and off uh is arrow and so this thing has no arrow but it's pretty thin but it is just one big sheet of it's like it's like having a four by eight sheet of plywood on the top of the thing at all points uh and then uh the ones that are in the hard shells tend to have way better arrow as you would expect uh, than the soft-shelled ones because they can be molded to, to sort of have a, a pointy front like a fancy rooftop box. But they're all garbage for an arrow standpoint. Like the general rule of thumb is 20% of your gas mileage is just going to drop. Like, wow. No matter what no matter what you do. But uh, it'll be a fun adventure. Check out this YouTube uh, person who went all in on their pop-up. Uh, by um, getting a sawzall out and uh, making a pop up, it's beautiful. Apparently, this is documented somewhere on YouTube, like his whole build. But I just saw this walk around of uh, making an old old Xterra um, uh, into something you could live out of. Oh yeah, I salute his effort. That's a, yeah, that's a great way to ins- do it. Just cut yeah. the cut the roof off. I've joked at times <laughs> on the V ninety uh, because it has a panoramic roof. I was like, once these become beaters. <laughs> Just pop be, it out. Yeah, you just pop <laughs> pop the roof off and, and, you know, silicone seal around the top. Like, it won't last forever, but you can totally do a conversion van style thing on all these modern uh, vehicles. And, I mean, have you ever seen uh, or installed a sunroof into anything? I've never done it, but I've seen it. Seen it yeah, done. I've seen it done. They just cut the skin. You know, yeah. it's like as long as you're not cutting the, the, the pillars and into any cross members, like, it's probably fine. These things yeah, it's very- just – and the, I would – I think I remember watching one and being amazed. They just used a sawzall, which is like vibrating like crazy. I thought they'd be like slick and use plasma cutters and stuff, but to get a clean line. But and no. they, they don't call it a sawzall for nothing. <laughs> Plus, you just, you know, with all that kind of stuff, you just cut your hole. And as long as you leave a little margin, then you can go clean it up with like a, a flat disc or something. Yeah. And like, I was surprised I learned it in the Sprinter Van world that that's how you put like a roof fence in is hole saw. Yeah, you and just cut through the skin. Jigsaw, you get a metal blade on a jigsaw, you know, because why even go to the trouble of getting a sawzall? None of this shit is complex, man. No. Like, no, when yeah. it comes to a vehicle, it's like once you're actually doing a conversion, I mean, the thing that always slows me down, and it's also why my builds take longer and are more expensive, is in my head, when I start them, I'm always like, I want to be able to back this thing out. Uh, I want to be able to unmod this thing so that I can sell the truck uh, on its own and then I can sell the camper or whatever. How many times have I done that? I don't know if I've ever done it. Like every time, by the time I get done with the vehicle, I'm just like, I just put it online. I'm like, here it is. It's all done. Just take it. Like whatever <laughs> whatever you want to do. I always just blaze glory, burn all my bridges. And then, yeah, and I never learned anything. Um, Selling uh, customized stuff is terrible, and you lose so much money. It, it, I'll skip ahead to our what tr- what's my next truck going to be uh, update because uh, I I will say that the house projects are just getting deeper and deeper, and I'm like learning a lot and picking up a bunch of stuff and like salvaging, scamming uh, a bunch of stuff. But I am now I spent half the day looking on uh, Gov Planet for government uh, auction uh, trucks, and like. Uh, I think I pretty much got Crystal on the same page. I mean, not that she really cares. She's not a hard ass about any of this, but I got to get a beater because I can't, I, I, I'm not going to buy a new truck. The, the, the new GMC Canyon was the one that kind of really clicked it in for me. Uh, I'm not going to buy a, a 50, $60,000 truck unless it's exactly what I want. And if that means plug-in hybrid or whatever it is. So uh, I'm still on the search. If any of the listeners still know like a decent 
three to five thousand dollar beater uh i'm still kind of looking but i have a friend who's addicted to like gov deals and all those sorts of things um uh, because they're they're like rolling auctions all over the place like a little like a little forestry office will throw an auction on tuesday for no reason uh and he would use it for deals but i did notice definitely trucks are the only thing that are like appropriately priced that's right and sold like you can get a you know a Caprice Classic or they always have Crown Vicks you know former cop cars and they're they're like fifteen hundred bucks but yeah. you could have a broken truck that doesn't run and it'll it'll get five grand on Gov deals it's crazy uh, yeah I, I I haven't ever bought anything off of, off of the government uh, surplus sites and that's part of why I'm looking on there now because I just kind of want to go through that nightmare once <laughs> I did get a pro tip from a friend that said uh, if you know what uh, lot it's at especially the ones that, you know, do a, an, an inspection, uh, that you can call the mechanic at the lot. They usually just have one guy who's doing all of that and just ask him like, Hey, like if you can get him on the phone yeah. and say like, Hey, which of these are worth a damn. But I will also note that when I was looking at some stuff today and looking at the inspection report, they were like, uh, we tested that it, it was like their boilerplate says we tested that it, that it moves under its own power cannot verify or do not verify transmission or differentials like they literally just see if it can move on its own power and that's like all they're guaranteeing so. you know what you know what, uh, that stuff reminds me of uh, which i miss was uh when i was a kid in like late high school was late 80s um every kid this was like a popular thing to buy a former in california what's the uh, caltrans caltrans is the construction you know state department of transportation like yeah i put that together yeah yeah <laughs> well other people just call them like blank dot you know new jersey dot but like caltrans is like chips you know they invented their own word for it but uh caltrans was getting basically always dumping their 70s equipment you know stuff from 10 years before so like half the football team drove a first series dodge ram truck from like 1977 and they're all like um safety cone orange because that was like caltrans's theme uh, and now up in Oregon, I love, love seeing mint green Jeep XJs, like yep. Cherokees. Those are for service. It's always like that cool Celeste Italian mint green. And that's, like, exa- that's exactly what I was going to say. If you hadn't said it is that I, I every time I see a for service truck in that in that distinct color, I, I, I don't know why I just get excited every time. Yeah, I, I go, it. I want one. I don't even like those kinds of Jeeps, but yeah. I want one. I want and that I mean, color. Yeah. Not only are those trucks ridden hard and put up wet, a lot of them, the, o- the odometer doesn't even tell you how long they've been running because like especially you know i imagine work trucks are a little better but you know the 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 received wisdom anyway and i think it's right on a cop car is like the the engine hours will be twice as much what you would expect compared to what the odometer is because a cop never turns their car off right right? it's idling it's just always idling sitting there burning fuel so bad yeah uh it should it should be uh it should be something but i'm reaching a point with the house where uh i'm getting into some really uh you know nothing crazy this is all just regular home improvement but when i sit around and i'll find like i'm (laughs) i found a chair that i want and by chair I want for the the office, I want to be clear here, I found a 400-pound dentist chair that's like a vintage <laughs> dentist chair from the 60s. And I'm like, it's a great deal. I totally want it. But there's no way I can get that shipped to me or moved to me for less than like two grand. And this thing is like 200 bucks. Yeah. So I, I, I got to suck it up and just buy whatever crappy halfway deal I can do uh and uh and you know throw it in the yard and it'll rust out and it'll be what it is but it's not you know not gonna be a project yeah. uh we should dig through into some news though uh lots of other people have covered it but since this podcast is halfway about just ev stuff in general <laughs> the uh ev credits program is getting rebooted because of the um inflation reduction act the ira that biden passed it includes a bunch of a bunch of stuff right it was the big omnibus bill that uh was supposed to be build back better and green new deal and all of these things they kind of cut rich people out which i don't disagree with yeah and uh like the highlights are basically that most of the credits are getting rebooted but there's the way it works uh by rebooted i mean like tesla general motors some of the people that were already at the end of their credit allotment the two hundred thousand uh credits uh that's going to come back but there's a lot more rules and price reductions or income reductions so the reality is that for people that are in higher income 
brackets, you're probably not going to qualify for it anymore. I'm okay with that. They also changed it so that instead of it just being a tax credit uh, that you get back after you file, depending on, you know, if you had tax liabilities every year, uh, it's now just going to be something that can be rebated right at the dealer, which should be good in theory as long as dealers are not adding $10,000. Right, like, you know, right up front. So we'll see what it works like yeah, in practice. Yeah, so those uh, are good ideas. Uh, I had an email, a uh, 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 harsh email came from Rivian saying, okay, we know most of our clientele is fucked. It was yeah. like, I think uh, any cars can't be over, there's no credit for anything over $80,000 out the door. And there was, I think you're allowed to make up to one hundred and fifty grand a year or something. Uh, and what's funny is the very original pricing for Rivian stuff put like 10% of their stuff at like 77000 or something. Right. So you could kind of squeak in. But if I'm not mistaken, and this is where I was going to go before you interrupted me. Sorry. Because this was news that you can use specifically. I was using it too soon. For Howie. Uh, <laughs> I believe Rivian sent out a, a thing for anybody that's got a pre-order that says if you do, if you send them like 100 bucks or whatever it is, it can be. Uh, a contract that shows intent to buy, so your contract still falls under the old deal. So, oh, your that's R1 what it S, was. Yeah, there was some link at the end and it didn't deal. work. Yeah. Oh, well, you might want to go look at huh. it before it expires because you right. should be able to qualify through the old program, which I think for you is going to be better than right. what but the then new the program old, would be. Um, the thing people don't mention quite often enough is those tax credits, the old way. Tax credits were on like income tax you owed so you like had to right like, it, it be only, a mover it only and shaker for you if you owe 7500 bucks or more yeah otherwise the credit's just worth nothing like if you yeah. if your income was low enough that you didn't pay taxes then you wouldn't get 7500 back which oh a uh, funny uh, funny fact i learned in research the number one selling plug-in uh ev vehicle in america in 2021 <laughs> Was a Jeep, uh, the Jeep Four by E Wrangler Four XE? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that was the number one selling plug-in hybrid last year. Love those yeah. things, and apparently, yeah, like Stellantis is getting ready to announce like a bunch more electrified Jeeps because they're they're selling like crazy. Which, like, all of that is super positive. The last thing the IRA does, and we can move on, is uh, it does over time require as some of the the credits start to fall off again that uh, the Vehicles have to be union built, uh, I think was part of it. That may have gotten written out. But one thing I, I'm sure of is that the batteries have to be sourced from materials within the United States. And so that doesn't start in the beginning, but over the years as the program goes through and up to the point that Kia is there and, lithium ion battery production in America right now? Well, th that's that's exactly the or assembly. Thing, right? So there's a bunch of assembly. Here, well, a bunch yeah. of, but there's a fair amount of assembly. Most of the manufacturers, uh, including uh, foreign manufacturers uh, like Honda, just announced an LG Chem team up uh, where they're going to build like a four billion dollar battery plant, probably in Indiana or Tennessee. Oh, cool! Uh, but what it's doing, I, I, you know, I guess Teslas are probably assembled in those gigafactories. But, yeah, Teslas. But the are, materials are from like South America, right? Uh, Africa. Yeah. Uh, South, I mean, basically the southern hemisphere yeah. uh like uh which there are lithium mining programs including that one in california in the salton sea that gm's put some money into uh as a prototype anyway like we have lithium is an extremely common element it's it's not it's not that we don't have lithium reserves in the united states or in north america we just haven't dug them up yet we just don't do anything here <laughs> with those because it's cheaper Extract. to offload that to other yeah. economies and i i firmly believe uh, it's like one of my very primitive beliefs that I have still yet to be convinced otherwise is like a huge reason of the post, a huge thing about the post Reagan American culture and economy is that we outsourced a ton of our manufacturing jobs and like having covered manufacturing in developing economies, all of this stuff, like not saying we shouldn't help other com uh, countries, but like it's a huge piece that we're missing and even though the that tends to be like a republican talking point uh the republicans in practice don't 
may do any better than the Democrats have done over the last 40 years. So I really like the idea that uh, the incentive programs for these things are forcing the OEMs to build more both battery plants and then also manufacturing here in the U.S. Like it, it, it makes a lot of sense to yeah, me. Yeah, smart. But but some of the like Hyundai and a few other companies were basically like throwing a temper tantrum, saying like, "Well, we can never qualify for this. You guys are screwing us." And it's like, "Yeah, sorry, but like you're gonna have to come back." So anyway, EVs are going. Uh, tons more uh, sales this year. It did. It did. Let me let me give you a thought exercise because it's sort of related. It did make me think about this though. There was a there was a survey that came back. I don't know who did it. I didn't get that far. Um, but uh, somebody did a survey that basically said, "Would you buy a car if Apple made a car?" So all the headlines and all the tech sites or whatever were pretty much like, "There's already a market for the Apple car. People are excited about the Apple car." I've done that kind of marketing research. Like, yeah. you know, it's fine. Like, but it's actually. You basically do that so you can write that headline, uh, and but Apple didn't do it. Somebody else did it. Here's my question to you, though: Do you think Apple? Let's let's say they make an Apple car. Like they're still trying. Do you think Apple would ever make a pickup truck? Hmm. And what would an Apple pickup? Truck be? <laughs> we can revisit it in a future show. Yeah. I know. I know you have a million thoughts. I'm trying to lowly worm drives an Apple, literal Apple, and it'd just be cut out of the back. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's all a Richard Scary it's vehicle so, design. That's why it's taken so long. It's for so weird that those rumors go back to like 2016 or something. Like uh, they've been working on it since then. Yeah, I, I mean, it was weird that at CES a year or two ago, Sony unveiled a car, and people were like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> what? Well, Dyson uh, for a while said they were going to make. A car and then dropped about a billion dollars into the uh, R&D and then we're like, nope, like we're out. <laughs> they couldn't um, get it. They can't. There's probably nowhere to cut cut costs. I mean, Rivian is struggling to get things across the line and like <laughs> actually building cars is extremely difficult. Yeah. And there are some efficiencies that modernity gives. There's some efficiencies that EVs give. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of material. It's a lot of literal moving parts, safety, a bunch of other things are there. And also the supply chain in the pandemic has shown us that like uh, even a lot of things that like phones or whatever uh, that we think are, oh, hundreds or dozens of companies make those things. It's like when you get down to the core parts and the IC, the integrated circuits and the silicon, like eh, it's not that many people actually make a lot of those things. So. No. I, I I still wouldn't be surprised if on an Apple standpoint that they, you know, after probably tens of billions of dollars at this point, they bail. Uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, we'll revisit it. But I, but I, I it was a thought I had uh, after reading that. I was like, <laughs> you know, what would you a pickup truck from Apple? My answer is no, they would never do it because they want to like force you to move. You know, you know, like, hey, everybody, we're doing we're going all lightning ports. <laughs> you know, doesn't yeah. matter. We don't care about your feelings. Yeah. Uh, Remember the the iMac coming out with no floppy drive and people lost their shit, and they were. I, I would imagine they just say you shouldn't have trucks. Trucks shouldn't exist. You should I be in would, small. I think it, they will make a pickup truck that's extremely useful, but they'll call it the Apple Car Pro. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it don't cost twice as much to come in gray. Uh, another little quick hit: Consumer Reports survey came across that the GMC Canyon was the most complained about uh truck by owners wow. uh which yeah is surprising right like gmc kind of a premium brand yeah uh, the 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 issues they said were mostly related to comfort that the ride quality is stiff and choppy and the cloth upholstery needs adjustments so clearly these are people not upgrading to the denali trims with yeah. the leather and that the driving position is awkward hmm. uh i i've actually heard this from several people about uh, the the twins the canyon and the the, the um, Colorado Colorado thank you I don't know why I was spacing it that the the seat bolstering and quality and all of that stuff is pretty bad so uh, I don't know just thought it was kind of huh. interesting to have a premium brand be the most complained about uh, on <laughs> and it's, it's not like some British you know it's not Land Rover Range Rover or something huh. that's right uh, I also saw uh, in quick hits that uh, Great Wall Motors is launching their first truck. Uh, which is called the Sh Shanghai, not Shanghai, Shanghai Cannon, which I think a cannon is a great name for a truck. <laughs> and along uh, with that, it said it was it was taking some visual inspiration from their Tank 500 SUV, 
another killer brand name in my opinion <laughs> the tank 500 suv the king kong cannon midsize there's also <laughs> a truck from great wall uh called the king kong which again <laughs> like they're killing it on every every name like i'm here I, on all of them I, these are all hybrids i looked at the um the the new one looks a lot like a like a gmc canyon and a tundra like a, the new tundra is basically what it looks like i thought it looked then, a little more like nissan that was oh I, yeah yeah it was very a little the front end's definitely nissan the tank 500 suv looks like a straight up copy of like the brand new land cruiser 300 series yeah like looked like total ripoff of lexus's and and those uh i'm not i'm are these going to be really cheap? I was surprised they weren't full EVs, but um. I don't have a great understanding of the Chinese uh, domestic like hierarchy of the brands. Yeah. I, I even back when I kind of needed to know that a little bit, like I, I, I there's just a lot, and they, they yeah. come in and out. I don't, I don't, I don't. I just know some of these brands do like crazy stuff, like like in India, it's twenty thousand dollars is the most expensive car, you know, from a premium brand, or or in China, I guess going through less parts the evs are sometimes like ridiculously cheap yeah on the full-size stuff i think they're starting to approach price parity with the western uh, world like uh I'm i was sure wondering a little cheaper but like yeah not a lot when i looked at the measurements it's fully mid-size and i was like is this is this insane in china like to drive around it's like a big american like oversized mid-size pickup because like i see uh there's a BMXer I follow in the UK, and he has like a Chevy, you know, 1500. <laughs> it's Dang absolutely man. massive everywhere he goes. It's like I'm it's going gigantic. to guess. Speaking as one person, as a person who's been to China once and went to one city, uh, like <laughs> uh, China's big country, and a lot of their cities are relatively new, right? Like mm -hmm. they've only been built in the last 20 oh, that's some odd years. So I, I, you could have I, wide lanes. I would imagine they're it's different than like old cities. Yeah. You get to Beijing and 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 Shanghai and all of those places. Like I'm sure the old cities are you know awful for cars because they yeah. were built for humans. But uh, no, I bet it's not as big of a factor as it is in the more congested uh, countries. But mm -hmm. I'm guessing. I have no idea. Uh, you also pointed out, and I had seen this, and then I, I felt bad because I haven't gone and watched any of the last stuff, is uh, Motor Trend is killing dirt every day, which is a great show. It's basically, yeah, it's basically let's go to a junkyard and see what 4 by 4 we can build and then go do something insane with it in you know what looks like two days, even though it's like weeks. Uh, yeah, I don't know what is up with Motor Trend. I, I'm like a, I don't know how, I've never even looked into their, like, um, business world of Motor Trend, but like I was a super early adopter. I loved all their shows. They used to tease them on YouTube, and you could pay to see them like a month or two early. Like it'd be like, hey, we're only up to episode 32 on YouTube. Hey, this is free. I remember when they debuted uh, Roadkill and stuff on YouTube and Facebook, and I remember thinking, like, how are they going to make any money out of this? This is crazy. Because these are really well, you know, this show costs 10 grand to make. You know, there's a crew. Um, <laughs> More and than then, 10 and, grand, I promise. <laughs> and then, I mean, I mean, I mean, people are, you know, everyone films with a shaky iPhone in the garage, and like these things were like high art compared to that. But, um, but yeah, like I was an early adopter of it. I loved it. And then they uh, quickly started removing all their YouTube shows. So there's almost, I mean, they've removed a lot of YouTube. So they don't have as much of a YouTube footprint. You have to pay to see any of it. But now they're starting to, um, I think a couple hosts have left uh, some shows, but then they're just canceling shows. But I would say, I mean, I can't imagine a bigger show than Dirt Every Day. It's just like every four by four person I know loves it, watches it, makes jokes about it. And like the two hosts uh, both like released, you know, on their Instagrams, like little videos and the both of them don't make it sound like it was their choice at all. No, I'm and sure it was. And it's just like, why would you cut like the best show that's the most popular and beloved from two of the like normalest nicest guys and it's just like and yeah and they're doing a whole bunch of weird shit with their shows so it's like i don't know what they're doing i mean it's only whatever five bucks a month or fifty dollars a year or something and i just For pay the motor that train channel yeah i i turned it on and off i've had a motor trend uh there was a couple shows that i really wanted to see i there was one there was a pike's peak documentary i really wanted to see that a friend of mine had helped produce um 
and like I, you know, I always enjoy it. It's, it's. I've never had a problem with the motor train uh, content as much as like there's just so much content that I don't always like get around to watching everything they had. But yeah, I mean, the media business in general, and and you know, I'll try to keep this not a media podcast <laughs> like we normally will go down. But yeah, there's some rough times. Like people are cutting a lot of uh, most of the people in publishing I know. Uh, if they haven't done layoffs, they're starting to do layoffs or getting rid of shows like uh, the economy is not falling apart and it's a really weird recession in that some things are doing great and some things aren't. But uh, media being an advertising based business like has very thin margins anyway. And so most of publishing right now is 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 in pretty rough shape. So my guess is somebody looked um, at the audience numbers numbers, and said like this show cost us a lot to make and it only makes us this much money and so it just fell afoul of it but it was a great show they've been around forever really like the host yeah Uh, dave and uh uh, fred yeah yeah like it's just it's a it's it's a shame but hopefully they'll land on they both just jumped directly into youtube like they both had youtube channels but now they're just all in and like Fred is posting one every single day and uh, Dave, the newer guy, like posts once every few days. But yeah. like, you, you, it's clear like Fred's entire life is built around get a cup of coffee, start wrenching on stuff and with cameras around. Like he's just like, because he went right into it the day after they announced that the show's no longer there. Just like daily videos, like 10 minutes long of him working on a Jeep. Uh, speaking of motor trend, uh, there was a funny moment too. Not worth like getting heavily into on on uh, on this show, but uh, Kamisa, uh, who formerly was uh, Jason Kamisa, who'd done a bunch of stuff at Motor Trend for for years, was one of their more popular hosts. Uh, has been shooting stuff for Haggerty for the last I don't know year two maybe. Uh, really nicely produced stuff. He's like uh, arguably the best YouTube host uh, car content guy that there is. Uh, at least if you want like top gear style, like really polished, like uh, really well storyboarded. Extremely work. polished. <laughs> it's extremely polished, extremely expensive. Like I don't know. Oh man, they must have that. that like Porsche Cayenne with the robotic arm with the cameras, you know, cause I the filming's just beautiful. That, but you know what? They might like, I, I, there's some, there's, they spend a lot of money. Let's put it that way. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how this, how this is great. You, you wrote down that there was some Twitter drama around it. I'm yeah. completely oblivious to this. I watched this video on my own. It just came up in my recommendations. Maybe, you know, two so or three this, weeks ago. This was a example. Yeah. So the video that uh, I think it's. And I remember it just being highly on. opinionated and over the top. It and, was a Bronco Raptor review. And, yeah. uh, that review uh, was actually like, uh, you know, full of a lot of sort of ironic making fun of truck guys, like talking about how stupid this thing was. He also was, you know, pretty much in love with it the whole time, said it was fantastic, one of the best off-roaders he's ever driven, yada, yada. It's just like a talk, Top Gear segment, right? Well, mm. it's sort of a bunch of Twitter people sort of in the general purpose band cars, all trucks. Oh, bad, like when they drove universe. over some curbs. Yeah, found it. <laughs> and there was a bunch of shots in the video of where he was like hitting some, uh, I, I don't know what you call those little strips, those little plastic things they used to, to, to demark uh, bike lanes. Oh, but yeah. There was yeah. a section where he was like running Ballards. over those and he yeah. talk, talked, uh, talked about, uh, made a joke about like hitting a baby, whatever. And this was all. In the, if you watch the video, it's clear that he's going like, this is what assholes do with these things or what people think, you know, like kind of the archetype that's being done. But it was that watching a bunch of people on Twitter who had no recognition of the tongue in cheek, like going off on it was if you like that, I don't know, drama, like just watching two communities that are absolutely no good faith whatsoever, like running right into each other. It's a, it's a good few, Twitter shows me to, either one of those communities or the other one completely saturated for a day or two at a time this which is but yeah i i mean i didn't see i'm surprised i didn't see any of this i was thinking when i saw the, the label twitter drama i was like i think at one point he's like making fun of trope like this thing is a trophy truck you know you can get off a lot right and he just slams it up a curb onto a median and i remember watching that and i'm like oh, i bet you out of context that looks really bad but <laughs> yeah. like it's funny as hell when he says it uh because you know classic yeah it has gobs of suspension travel just like a trophy truck and you could just jump anything uh um, tell me about the, <laughs> the f-150 that you've driven yeah i just uh yeah i just went to a dealer um i was laughing at um uh price markup stuff so i i think i was looking 
I was looking to see if they sold my used truck, yeah. and I saw that they had like Ford Lightning. I was like, huh? And it says like cannot be sold for this many months. You know, it's one of those dealer demos, and it said a hundred thousand dollars, and it was the stripped work truck. And I was like, okay, a those guys are assholes. <laughs> That's a sixty thousand dollar markup. <laughs> Uh, but they're not allowed to sell it for like six months or something. But uh, the other thing was, I was like, it said just like cannot be sold demo unit only for test drives. So I was like, oh, they're probably going to be like super nice about it. So I popped in today um, and like said, hey, can I take it for a spin? And an old guy just started slagging on it. Uh, he was just like, I don't know what people want out of this because it had a small battery pack. So it only did 200 miles. Which surprised me. I thought they were all like 300 plus. But uh, he goes like, you can't tow. Uh, you know, you're not going to get more than 100 miles. And what's the point of a truck except towing? And I'm like, <laughs> people tow once a year is normal. Uh, and he just kept going, yeah, I don't see what anyone sees in it. And he eventually got me the keys. And then I drove for about a half hour and did a bunch of launches. Uh, it is insanely quick. Even in normal mode, the torque is just bonkers. I didn't even like sport mode. It, it got kind of weird. And I also turned the one pedal driving on and off. And like, I had like one of the most uh, like overreactive one pedal driving cars ever, the BMW i3. You couldn't turn it off. That was just the way that thing operated. It was you lift and it would come to a dead stop. Um, so it was like kind of hard drive. You had to learn how to feather it all the time. Uh, that's how the Ford felt. Like it just felt like the one pedal was just way too much. But um, yeah, it was doing burnouts. Uh, like, I mean, it has so much torque, it can't, even with all the anti, all the traction control possible, like there was a, there was chirping in the tires every time we did a launch. Uh, I took a friend on it that lived down the street. I was driving it all. I was like, dude, you got to try this. And like, he had, he had never been an EV before. So he wasn't used to like Tesla style launches. And he was just like back against the chair. I could not believe he was just like laughing and yelling the whole time. It was great. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, it's like not not enough brakes is what I keep hearing. Yeah, like the brakes suck. Yeah, the brakes suck. So they should figure out a not one pedal driving, but like you know regenerate some power here, but don't do it in a like obnoxious way. Um, but yeah, the brakes sucked. I, I thought the handling would be better than a normal truck because of the weight so far down, low center of gravity, and like it corners like just tr- insane understeer. It's terrible. It's just a big work truck. Um, I was impressed. This was like the work truck, $40,000 stripped one, which I guess they don't even sell anymore. It had like 360 cameras. Like it didn't have like a sunroof or, you know, nicey, nice things, but like, yeah, a remarkable number of options had a big center, um, screen stuff. Not the crazy big Tesla one, but it was a, it was a pretty nice desk truck and it was so dead silent, just incredibly dead silent and hardly any feedback from the road. Cause it's pretty numb. So you just like, you look down and go 79 miles an hour. What? Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? Like just accidental. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, they're actually selling them, but like, I mean, now I'm seeing, <laughs> I'm seeing them. Uh, you could find lightning probably in any city in America going for what? 125 to 150 grand right now. It's so crazy. I hope Ford figures out a way to do direct to consumer because yeah. So yeah. Anyways, yeah, and the guy, the guy at the dealer was like, "You probably won't get one of these for two to three years, even if you order it today." And I was like, "Okay, you should. Cool. Don't you want to separate your like dumb people and their money? <laughs> like that's your job." But yeah, I, yeah. Uh, if I had time, uh, I'm I'm so busy with my work, but I would do a free project just to do it. Uh, I would really like to figure out some of this direct to consumer, like go, go do a little reporting and see what's happening in the space. Uh, talk to some of the folks I know in the auto industry and get some, get some gossip. Maybe we'll do that for a future, a future. Yeah. What uh, <laughs> a special report. I wonder what, uh, God, I wonder what the legal limitations of it. Cause I think, I think Polestar is doing the thing, um, that people like Ford is gonna have to make a new brand. Like Volvo made Polestar into a brand just to make electric Volvos. And you could buy those with your phone. And like, there's hardly any dealers and stuff. So. Uh, speaking of two vehicles, uh, I didn't get to drive either one. One because it was one was parked, and the other one was not for not for anybody to drive. But uh, I did have a friend buy an Ionic Five, like the cool, oh, cool. Uh, retro futuristic uh, <laughs> crossover thing. Yeah. Uh, but I did get to play around with it, check it out. Uh, What'd you think? Solid, solid, yeah. like infotainment, like all of that stuff. Uh, to me, I, I actually, the biggest thing for me was like, it did, It wasn't, I wouldn't call it luxurious. It was definitely like 
designed with a capital D, right? <laughs> and I mean that as a I mean that as a compliment. Like well, you it's just have like this, white floating interior yeah, stuff. Like the, yeah, like a lot of white floating interior. The screens don't like there's a giant um, uh, uh, bezels on the screen. Oh. But like I to me that's great. They got a, a fairly de- I think they paid MSRP for it or like you know they I think they paid it like a slight ADM, but nothing <laughs> nothing crazy. And like, uh, yeah, so good initial thing. And then more exclusively, and frankly, for me, more exciting was I was at uh, a logistics trade show last week, you know, because that's what I do for fun. And like shipping uh, containers. Kind of, yeah. Uh, I actually, there, there's, we'll talk about it in the future because I want to chase them down a little bit. But there's a, um, I found a cool like company that's doing something really interesting with solid state refrigeration, hmm. uh, which seems amazing to me, but I kind of want to look around and see if anybody else is doing it, but make an awesome like off-road cooler if they, if they sold it wow. uh, for not, you know, like B2B stuff, which is what they do. And then I finally got to walk around inside a bright drop, which is GM's delivery van platform. So GM, hmm. uh, doesn't make a cargo van. They've always seeded that in the U.S. to Ram with the ProMaster or uh, Ford with the Transit. Uh, but they have a program that they spun up a couple of years ago called Bright Drop, which uses the Ultium batteries and their powertrains, but like with a complete ground-up design of like a delivery truck, basically. Like think like a UPS kind of truck. Um, Ooh, hundred bucks as this started as a USPS proposal, <laughs> and then they're like, "Well, we did be. the groundwork. Let's just build uh, it." They have a lot of cool stuff. I, I, I actually, when I go to Detroit here pretty soon, I'm going to try to track down some Bright Drop people and just see if I can get a a, a closer look at it and understand yeah. the program a little more. But I, I will say uh, the biggest thing I really liked about it is how square it was uh, <laughs> on the inside. Uh, like they had uh, the, the, the place I saw was with a upfitter. And so they had had they had installed some shelves and things. And, I, and the guy was nice enough because I told him up front, I'm like, look, I'm not in the market. I'm not your customer here. But like, can I poke around? And he was like, well, yeah, like we did all the upfitting and stuff on this. And he's like, compared to a unibody like a transit, uh, which, uh, you know, even when you buy them, when they're raw inside and just raw metal or painted metal on the interior, there's still the way that the metal is stamped and stuff has a lot of curves and, you know, interesting things. Not not a big deal. Oh, there's but, literally flat? But there so it was like basically 90 degrees except at where the roof and the, and the sides met, which again, panel vans, that's why, you know, like that's, you can get all that stuff. It's not like totally revolutionary, uh, but it was nicely built from the factory. And then the other thing that I thought was cool and it was mostly just an aesthetic thing, but on the up in the cabin, you know, everything is still a lot of stainless uh, or, or you know, aluminum, like just raw metal. But then the cluster for the the screen and the and the like, kind of all of the switch gear around it was like basically like a piano black kind of like plastic setup. But it looks so cyberpunk because it was like <laughs> this. Old, it looked like a you know a, a thing that could have been built in the '60s just a metal box truck, but then this like pod of like tech, you know, information and switches and all this stuff in the middle. I, I really thought it was cool, but I also think it's like, that's something I would think is cool, but very few people are actually going to think it was cool. Uh, but it was cool. I, 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 I was excited to finally just walk around in one having read about them for, for so long. Uh, I, I came to, <laughs> this is in my, this is my dream truck, uh, uh, category. Uh, I'm starting to think the Rivian's a bad idea. <laughs> they like uh, they took away my next spring um, day completely. I was playing with colors one night. It disappeared from my site, uh, from my uh, order page, and I'm like, I'm not going to wait three years for a car. And then I also t- asked myself, would I ever take something like that to Moab? Like it's going to be so hard to physically get there. Find they hardly have any charging infrastructure. Am I going to be terrified of like scraping a rock on even with skid plates, like tearing open a lithium ion battery? You never take that off road. Yeah, I would. I'm like, it's too fancy. It's way too fancy. It's like a friggin' Land Rover, you know, top of line thing. So, yeah, I'm thinking, nah. And then I'm thinking, like, what more could I possibly do to my, uh, my Lexus GX? And I keep coming back to like, I mean, the only thing you do with suspension is go to a solid axle or go to long travel uh, independence, which like cost insane amounts, 10 grand and up. So I've been like going, you know what? Maybe I should just try a Jeep. Uh, 
you know, because it's just everything's already there. And, and so I, it begins. I know. And it's like, uh, I should have known this, this. You know, I've been running away from this is not a Jeep. You know, that was the fun part of like going to Moab and everyone's like, I can't believe that thing could climb that and stuff. And like, because we all we ever see are Jeeps. Uh, but yeah, so I've been coming around to like, man, I think I need a Jeep. I went out and drove one, a Rub uh, new Rubicon. Um, but I was looking for the 4 by E. Uh, like I just thought, hey, that's kind of perfect. Although I later found out there's a thousand pounds of batteries, which isn't great. Like it's a 5,000 pound Jeep instead of the others. Um, but I'm like, yeah, you can put that much overlanding crap on them and they still run trails. <laughs> um, but yeah, the 4 by E is just hard to get, way too hard. Um, and so I didn't get to find one uh, a dealer was still listing on their site for the last couple months and they're like oh no we sold it within a week oh i didn't know why that's on the site you should have called us <laughs> I'm like, yeah. no they're in high the the four xe in particular is in yeah demand. Well, i drove a normal rubicon and i'm like it's not that bad like i thought leaf springs you know 1800s wagon engineering here it's gonna be everyone says it's you know they drive like crap solid axles are terrible on the street and it's gonna be creaky and janky and like, I would say there's a lot of road noise, like surprising amount of road noise for, you know, like $65,000, the upper end ones. Like, I thought there'd be a little more insulation or, or no uh, sound deadening. <laughs> but other than that, like, I would say it was great. Like, I actually like took it through some sporty turns and I was like surprised at like... It didn't feel that bad. I thought, you know, IFS was the only way to go to get car like. They fix in the JL. They fixed some stuff with the steering, yeah. and I don't know exactly what they did, but but having driven JKs and JLs, like that, it, it's it's better. Like I yeah. mean, it's still solid axle. It still will drift on you a little bit, but it's 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 fine. And also, like you know, Jeeps for me, I have no problem with except I just prefer a pickup truck. But that's from for for me. But like, there is no arguing that Wranglers are fun and cool. Like they just are cool. Like they, the ecosystem's cool. There's nothing the, else out in the, the world. The fandom's a little weird. The fandom's but... a little weird, but I mean, think most fandoms are weird. And yeah, that's true. That shouldn't like stop you from enjoying something like just because it's. But yeah, whenever I'm looking at YouTube videos, it's like bone stock Jeeps can do so much more than like $20,000 into a Tacoma kind of like, you know, just. Just like the Rubicon, it's pretty damn good from the factory. All right, well, I'll buy a beater truck when you buy a Wrangler. We'll see <laughs> what happens. Uh, oh, the got... one thing, the one, oh yeah, we should close up in a sec. But uh, one thing I, I realized is I'm looking at like the Jeep. It's just American car garbage, you know, the way there's just way too many options. You can only get these wheels with this motor and all this dumb shit. But one of the options was a $4,000 roof that like complete, like 100% soft top. It's amazing. It was four grand, and all the other roofs are like fifteen hundred bucks. Yep. So I, I did get to drive one, one, one on the dealer, had that super roof, and I was just like, I don't. People are idiots for not like every single Jeep should come with this. Like it becomes a total convertible. It's nuts. No, so they, take the doors off a of Jeep. Take you know even without that fancy roof, like just take your yeah. take your roof off. It's so good. Like oh my god, that experience is really nice and like. I gotta say, like at this point, especially with price points and everything, if like I was practically buying and it was a choice between a Bronco and a Jeep, like it'd be a hard choice because it's not like the Bronco is really that much more usable in a day-to-day -day situation, and a Jeep is a Jeep. So yeah, yeah, uh, I won't, I won't hate you if you do it, uh, but like you know, at least buy buy a Wrangler. Yeah, don't don't buy don't buy like a Grand. No, God, no, no. Yeah, Wrangler Rubicon's the only one I'm looking at. But all yeah. right, I gotta go. I gotta go make money so I can right. uh, so I can buy this truck. See ya. All right, bye. Till next time, bye.